This week on Priority One, CBS is busy keeping the hype alive between episodes of Star Trek Picard with interviews with Michelle Hurd, Evan Evagora, and Jerry Ryan. LeVar Burton seems confident that Geordi might make an appearance. In gaming news, Star Trek Online led to Donna Stokepipe hat and hack away at the big baddies. We spent some time exploring the legendary Starship Bundle. Later, on screen, we share our thoughts on Star Trek Picard Episode 4, Absolute Candor. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by GamePrint. We thank them and our patrons for their support of Priority One. Command codes verified. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 449 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly report of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded live on Tuesday, February 18th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, February 21st at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elijah. I'm Kat. And I'm Tony. But before we jump into the news, we want to invite you to join in on the weekly conversations, whether via social media platforms like Facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast, on Twitter or Instagram at Priority One Pod, or by email to incoming at Priority One Podcast.com. Now, Captains, usually I try to convince you to become a patron on Patreon.com, but we have another way that you can support the show. For instance, we're looking to add some talented people to the group. Specifically, we're looking for an audio editor to help with the show and making it sound much more coherent than it does to our live audience. But we're also looking for a social media specialist, somebody that can help us maintain our pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and help engage with everyone else in the community. So if you are interested in joining our team, reach out to us via email to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com or just hit us up on social media with a direct message. Now let's check out the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Star Trek and its cultural importance is not lost on one of its newest stars, Michelle Hurd. The veteran actress who plays Rafi in Star Trek Picard understands what the iconic series means to its fans in a very personal way. During an interview with The Hollywood Reporter, the 53-year-old Hurd recalls her memories of watching the original series with her father, actor Hugh Hurd. Quote, it was really important to my dad that we see ourselves represented in the arts. So literally, when I got the job, I was like, oh my God, Uhura was literally involved in the first biracial kiss ever on television. The first woman of color in a position of power on a TV show like this. So when you think about the stories that were told on the original series using aliens and sci-fi to tell stories with themes like inclusion and immigration, I absolutely acknowledge and own my role in it. I'm so excited about it. End quote. 
Heard went on to mention her joy in playing Rafi, a flawed character in an organization like Starfleet. Quote, not only am I a woman of color, but I can tell that story about all of us who have struggled similarly, who have some demons, and in doing so, show that not all of us are bad people. We're all out here trying to do our best. We're all human beings with stories worth telling. End quote. So I like this interview for a couple of reasons. One, of course, is her acknowledgement that she is a person of color in a key role on a Star Trek show, which is great. And I'll get to that more shortly. Then, of course, she talks about her flaws and her demons. And you see that visually represented in her smoking the vape and her drinking. And later on, I'm sure we'll find of, of, of other things. So first I want to ask, should we have these problems and vices in the future, right? Do, is that something that we would have expected in the Gene Roddenberry universe of Star Trek if he was in control of everything again? Would he have allowed something like that? Would vices be a problem? Sure, why not? I think so. And they've done this before, usually with aliens, but there's there's tons of Star Trek stories where someone has done something socially unacceptable and it's about their trip back from that. I mean, the, the, it's an again, it's an alien example, but the guys who had the uh, the drugs in the first season where they had they found this, the uh, abandoned freighter, the guy that played David in Star Trek Three was some alien and they were jonesing for whatever medicine they were getting from that other planet. I mean, this was, that was a show all about drug addiction. So, I mean, it's, it's not like this is unheard of and... Maybe it's unheard of for a forcibly retired, however she got kicked out of Starfleet person. Maybe that's a feature of being forcibly retired. But I, I think that it's there, and like a lot of things Picard's doing, it's acknowledging that there's more to the United Federation planets than we saw in the original series or on TNG. Yeah, I think that I kind of agree with Tony. Like, I think he definitely could have considered it, but the, I think, though, maybe Gene Roddenberry wouldn't have wanted to show that necessarily because he always wanted to show humanity idealized but it's not beyond the realm of consideration that people still were struggling with addiction and struggling with, you know, all of that, trying to live their lives in the future. You just never got to see it very much. Yeah, I mean, I think back to the episode with Garrick and his withdrawal symptoms from whatever drug he was taking in DS9. That was a, a great episode. But that I was think. after Gene died. But that was after Gene died. That's true. I think that if they execute it well, I think that it could address those issues accordingly in a way that sheds light on it, doesn't idolize it or put it on a pedestal, but in fact is is something that we'll see her go through a journey of. The other thing I, I appreciated is earlier when she's talking about her role as a person of color on Star Trek, I'm thinking of myself now watching Rios. For the first time in Star Trek, I'm watching a character and going, hey, he looks like me, a light-skinned Latino or Hispanic who is playing an important role and a critical role in the ongoing story of a Star Trek arc. And I have never seen that. The Bellana Taurus doesn't count just because she had the bumpy things in her forehead? No, that's uh, that's watered down. The way, I, the, the way I see it is that that's watered down. She wasn't a Latina. She was a passionate Klingon, you know, like it wasn't any... Yeah, that was watered down. So was, so was Chakotay, although, you know, played by a Latino actor, he was playing a homogenized Native American. And I've never seen this. The closest I've ever gotten to something like this was Battlestar Galactica with Edward James Olmos at the helm of the of the Galactica. And even even then, he's not a Latino. He's Capricorn. Or no, he's not Capricorn. He's a... I thought they were from Toron. I think, the, I think Toron. Tor yes, he's Toron. Yes, yes, <laughs> You're yes, welcome. Yes. So, thank you. 
yeah, I'm pleased to feel that connection in some way to, to finally look at Star Trek and go, hey, look, it's someone like me. It's a Latino like me. It's a Hispanic like me. <laughs> the cat agrees. Although my, my verdict is still out on Rios because I'm hoping that they don't homogenize him either. They can't. He's playing right? like six Every, characters. Well, the, it, the, I, have a, I have a bit of a problem with that. But again, my verdict is still out on Rios as a character because Latin American culture, Spaniard culture, they all vary. And so hopefully they're going to say, you know, they're going to identify his culture and they're going to r run with him. Not that he's just this every Latino kind of guy. Uh, you know, cigar and... Yeah, until until he starts uh, lisping his THs like from Barcelona, he's they're gonna he's going to be just as homogenized as Chicote was because this is just plain marketing. They want to appeal to the broadest range. If they make him Cuban, if they make him Cuban, they're going to make the Venezuelans mad. If they make him Mexican, they're going to make the Colombians angry. I don't know. I don't I don't I don't think we're at that point anymore. I honestly don't. I think that he's going to be homogenized, though. Don't hold your breath. I think that maybe I, I and I hope not. And I really hope not. I think it would be a disservice to Star Trek to homogenize him. But again, I you know, we still have several other episodes to go. And I am cautiously optimistic on how they're going to treat Rios. And they're, they're not going to dilute him and his Latino culture by showing him play a Irish emergency something hologram or a Chilean tactical officer and a British emergency hospitality hologram. Like all these things are a bit much. That guy wasn't Chilean, was he? Because yeah. I like the was tactical speaking, guy. He was speaking was in Spanish. Could you identify his accent? It, I was talking to somebody and yes, somebody identified it as Chilean. I was really? Talking to him, right. Okay. Well, I yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Because mm -hmm. I actually had a really hard time understanding yeah, it. Yeah, I did too. It had a strong, yeah. thick, 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 thick dialect. So at first I thought it was of Mexican origin, but, and it might still be, but according to um, Gabby, who's a friend of ours of the show, and she's of Spaniard descent, she, she identified it as, as Chilean. So again, we'll just have to wait and see. All right, well, I'm a fan. <laughs> <laughs> In Star Trek Picard's fourth episode, Absolute Candor, we are introduced to the latest edition of the ragtag group of rogues, the young angsty warrior hero, Elnor. Elnor actor Evan Evagora sat down with Sci-Fi Wire to discuss his role on the series and how some of Trek's most important stars eased him into the franchise. Of Elnor, the young sheltered Romulan warrior raised by a group of Romulan warrior priestesses, Evagora says, quote, he's like a moody teenager, but every time he snaps, he has the potential to kill someone. That's how I played him. What if a moody teenager could just do whatever he wants whenever he flips out? End quote. Evagora recalled that much like his character Elnor, he set off on an unprecedented adventure when he left his home in Melbourne, Australia for Los Angeles, California, and like the Romulan swordsman, he had wise guides. The young actor recalled his introduction to the series lead and Hollywood icon, Sir Patrick Stewart, saying, quote, The first time I met Patrick Stewart, I was terrified. It was the worst first meeting. In my first day of filming, I was so nervous. Patrick took me aside because he could see the nervousness in me. But it's not like he told me a story about being nervous or anything like that. He has this way of making you feel at ease. Him and Jonathan Frakes, they're very similar that way. They make you feel comfortable on the set. And when you're comfortable, you can really lose your yourself in the moment and the character, end quote. But of course, episode four ended in a spectacular introduction to an old friend. You see, we've been flirting with spoilers for most of Trek It Out, but we are about to drop something pretty major. So if you haven't seen Star Trek Picard's Absolute Candor, well, fast forward a few minutes or just pause now and we'll be here when you come back. <laughs> 
All right, Absolute Candor's final and arguably most exciting reveal was the reintroduction of Seven of Nine. The Hollywood Reporter took the opportunity to catch up with Seven's real-life counterpart, Jerry Ryan, to discuss what changed and what's stayed the same since her last Star Trek appearance. Ryan commented on the difference between Star Trek Voyager and Star Trek Picard, saying, quote, the scale of these sets, the costumes, it's crazy. It's like you're doing a feature film each week. In one of my scenes where I had to go in and work on a console, we go in for the first rehearsal and I had to touch buttons and the screen actually does something. And I totally flipped out like, oh my God, actually having buttons that work, end quote. Though Ryan is no stranger to Trek, she still had first day jitters, telling The Hollywood Reporter, quote, my first scene, the big scene, was the one you see in the trailer when we're in his office slash ready room. That was my first day on the set. It was daunting, not just because it was Patrick, but because I was still petrified or Patrick-fied <laughs> of if I could find the character again. I was still trying to figure out who she was, end quote. Though she might have been Patrickfied, another TNG alumnus helped ease her back into the role. Quote, I was so fortunate because Jonathan Frakes was directing my first episode. So with that, I knew I was in good hands. Frakes, more than anyone else, would get the importance of revisiting and being true to these characters. Because the challenge for me is, where has she been for nearly 20 years? Finding her voice was the hardest thing for me. When I read the first script, I couldn't hear her voice anywhere." End quote. For more of Ryan's interview, like where her old Borg prosthetics ended up, check out the link in our show notes. And she talked about this a, a few months ago at the Star Trek convention where she eventually settled on the fact that Seven's done a very good job faking being human. You know, she's underneath it, she's still all seven of 90, but she's uh, adapted. Uh, so now she uh, she seems more relaxed. Oh, I was gonna say yeah yeah I I very much enjoyed her personality in this that she's much more assertive and much more human. I mean it's like she's achieved what she was striving to do on Voyager all that time ago was regain her humanity and she's become a normal uh, flawed normal human being. Well, that brings us to our first community question. Who is your favorite Star Trek Picard character thus far, and why? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com, or just be sure to follow us on social media like Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, because we post these community questions there every Monday. Is your favorite Next Generation character making an appearance on Star Trek Picard? If your favorite is Jordy, LeVar Burton has good money on it. At least that's what he told Straight.com or the Georgia Strait during a call from Vancouver's Fan Expo. Burton said, quote, Star Trek has always been one of the most positive and hopeful visions for the future of humanity, and for that reason, among others, I've always embraced it, end quote before offering his predictions regarding a Picard slash LaForge reunion. Quote, I'm not a betting man, but I would wager good money that you'll probably see all of the next generation cast at some point or another, just not all at the same time. Besides, I understand that Hugh Borg, Jonathan Del Arco, is very, very prominent in Picard. And you know, Jordy gave him his name. I think we'll have to explore that at some point. End quote. For a link to the full interview, which includes discussion about Reading Rainbow and Roots, follow the link in our show notes. Everybody's coming back. Guinan's coming back. Geordi's coming back. Nah, who knows? Who knows? Rika's coming back. But you don't have to take my word yeah, for right. it. <laughs> 
I have been listening to the book, though, Elijah. Oh, yeah? Oh, what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, I accidentally left, forgot to put the timer on, so I missed a big chunk of it when I fell asleep <laughs> last night. But so far, I mean, I like it. I mean, I can see where the show's coming from. I like that Jordy's in it. Yeah, you see, this is good to talk about, or a good moment to talk about that, because we're currently, for those of you unaware, there is a novel right now that has been released uh, about a week or so ago called The Last Best Hope, Star Trek Picard, The Last Best Hope by uh, Una McCormick. And it takes place before the events of the series that we are currently watching. I am about 10 chapters in now on the audiobook, and I felt like it started off strong and I'm kind of curious where it's going and we're not going to go into it now, but we do hope to do a review for it once we've read the book and, and we can put our thoughts together on it. Regardless, it's not a bad book, and I encourage you to uh, to check it out. We'll have links in our show notes. Again, the book is Star Trek Picard, The Last Best Hope by uh, Una McCormick. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Captains, before we move on with the show, we do need to take a moment to thank our sponsor for this episode, GamePrint, the company that allows you to 3D print a customizable starship just for you. Yeah, sure. You can get a cookie cutter mold from other locations, plastic toys, die cast models. That may be the case. But imagine showcasing your very own starship in whatever configuration you could imagine. Well, with some limitations, of course, because it is through Star Trek Online. But don't worry, you don't have to be a Star Trek Online player to take advantage of ordering and owning your very own unique starship. All you have to do is visit GamePrint.net and explore their remarkable library of already uploaded ships from other players. You can sort by class, by species, by faction, and marvel at some of the amazing models that are already available to you. But if you do play Star Trek Online and you have a favorite ship, just visit your ship tailor and upload a 3D model. Then you can take advantage of a very special Star Trek Online 10th anniversary sale happening at GamePrint right now. No code necessary. You can earn 20% off 9 and 7 inch ships, 15% off of 4 and 5 inch ships, and 20% off plaques as well. So, maybe you didn't purchase the legendary ship bundle from Star Trek Online because you've been saving your money for something else more exciting from the Star Trek multiverse. This could be that moment for you to get your own customizable ship. Again, that's GamePrint.net, and we thank them for their support of Priority One. Art Games has announced a new feature aimed at making life easier for its players who use Steam for their gaming. Previously, in order to play Star Trek Online or Neverwinter through Steam, a player would have to navigate multiple layers of login screens. First, you had to log into Steam. Then, you had to log into an ARC account to get into the game. Starting February 18th for new users and expanding to all users by February 20th, Steam users will be able to link their Steam account to their ARC account. After launching the game and providing your ARC account credentials, the accounts will be automatically linked. Once the process is complete, players will only need to authenticate to Steam to get into either Star Trek Online or Neverwinter. I'm sorry, what problem is this solving? Because I don't have ARC on my computer. I only have Steam. And 
I launched the game using a Star Trek Online icon on my desktop. And then I log in like I've logged in for the last 10 you're years. You're a pirate. So you're a you're 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 know. a end arounder. You're you're bucking the a, system. A smelly pirate. Something like that. I don't understand <laughs> what you're what are you talk what? That's from it's a line from Anchorman, sorry. No, no, no. I don't understand what you're getting at. Why would I, why would that be going around the system in some This way? goes back to when Ark first came out. That's Perfect World's preferred method of you launching. They wanted to have their launcher live on your desktop to so you could have access to all their games. You can still have an independent Star Trek Online only launcher, but only if you sort of cheat the system a little bit. You, your no, that's not hmm? true. No, it's not. That's not true because Steam Steam does not install the Arc client by default. Right. If you install from Steam, it gives you the old experience of not needing Arc at all. You can go straight right. to the Stow launcher. So I guess what? So according to Cairo in the chat, I by launching it through the icon that Steam created. I won't have to log in at all now. Now that because I am logged in through Steam, because it's always running in the background on my desktop, I will no longer see a login screen. Is that what is that what this is about? Is that what this is going to do? My understanding, and my understanding of this is very limited, but what I teased out of this article is, yeah, you won't have to type your password anymore in the launcher, in the Star Trek Online launcher. That's okay. Yeah, it looks like people in the chat are saying that's what it would that's what it would do. It would just launch the game directly without me having to log in with my ARC credentials through I think you'll still have to click the engage button. Yeah, cuz it'll oh, still have maybe, to patch maybe. and check the it'll yeah. still have to validate that your files are the same version of files that the server expects you to have. All right. I mean, I okay. I uh, now I'm really confused. So, the ARC system still is completely cut out of this. Because I'm not logging into my ARC account when I log into my Search Online launcher. Your two official options of how to launch the game, official options, is have Steam and go to the game client. Or have ARC, which takes you to the game client. So ARC and Steam do not have to both be installed at the same time. They could be, but they don't have to be. They replace each other. Okay, so if you have ARC and Steam installed, this is how you are going to see it from now on. You just have Steam installed. We're thinking you just skip to the engage button. But if you're like me and are a terrible person, you neither launch Star Trek Online through Steam nor the Arc client and have an old school launcher on your desktop from the olden times. I mean, which you can still get. Right. You can still get and Steam still behaves like the old classic launcher. The only difference now is that when you link, if Steam is running in the background and you launch Star Trek Online from your Steam library you will no longer be prompted to enter your credentials to log into Star Trek Online's systems. Because they'll have it you'll stored. You'll just see yeah. an engage button. Yeah. So I, I also want to point out that the way Tony is launching it, you can accomplish that today by installing the Steam copy of the game and going into Steam's folder where it stores Star Trek Online and just moving that folder out of Steam. And then you can right, launch right. the game directly without Steam right. or anything. So, all right, I guess this is solving an issue that I I don't see why necessarily this was an issue. Honestly, the bigger issue I see is with bonus payouts for things like Zen that you don't get when you use Steam funds. So this last weekend, there was a Zen bonus sale, and obviously it was timed accordingly with the sale of the Mega Bundle, and... One of the reasons that I almost didn't get it (laughs) was because a Steam account didn't get the full bonus payout that 
you would if you paid with PayPal or a credit card, which I don't know. I think is poo poo. I I don't know why I I wouldn't if I if you're gonna allow the game to run through Steam, then why not give the Steam players the same bonus by purchasing Steam cards? And then what's even more wackadoo for me is that you don't get the bonus with Arc prepaid cards. So you can go to Best Buy and pick up Perfect World or Arc cards. They're now Arc. The branding changed. And you can buy, you know, $10, $15, the same as you would with, with Steam. Go to your Best Buy or Target or wherever gift cards are sold, and you can buy those funds. However, Steam doesn't get the full bonus, and Arc prepaid cards don't get any bonus at all. At all. So you go to Target, you pick up a $20 arc card you don't get that bonus it's all about commissions that you man. would if you pay through paypal or through or by paying with a credit it's all card. about taking a little piece off the top you know game cards they uh. it's the you, you you worked in retail for a long time like like i did spiffs remember remember the spiffs so it's it's just it's a piece that comes right off the top depending on who's doing the reselling as a, if you're doing credit card processing the credit card company is going to take a per item charge and then a percentage off the top and then pass the rest of the money along to the vendor along to the you know along to cryptic or perfect world so but when you sell game cards that money there's a there's a piece that goes to the credit card company for buying the game card and then there's a piece that goes to the vendor that actually sold the game card and then whatever's left over then goes to the game company so you know they they're not going to offer the bonus when so much of the uh, of the cash is being skimmed off the top via the middleman so that that's why, yeah. I think that's exactly right. I, I I think the way we need to be looking at this is when you get the promo Zen by buying directly from the Arc website, you get the bonus promotional Zen and you get the other bonus Zen. There's two bonuses: one's permanent, one's promotional, uh, limited time. That is their way of making up for the fact that they didn't have to pay to put those cards in stores. Or they don't have to give some a percentage of their money to Steam for, for hosting it on Steam. Well, it doesn't matter because it didn't stop. <laughs> the way I thought it was going to. Nothing stopped you people. <sighs> yeah, didn't stop me either. Stupid charge bonus. Yes, it was be- it was the charge bonus. I had filed my taxes. The shiny and... candy-like button. The red button. And... Mm. And the absolute fear of FOMO, mm. I do suffer from that quite Oh, quite I fully did. I blame Z. And I blame everybody around me. And you know what? I blame some of the Benedict Arnolds out there who were like, I'm not buying this either. That was me. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden everybody's like, Everyone wow, this caves. bundle. Oh, I got the bundle. Yeah. Everyone caved. We should- I fully did. I never went hypocrite. I was like, that bundle, no way am I buying that. Bye. <laughs> yep. 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 Yes. Goodbye. And um, so I'm curious, Elijah, which bundle did you buy? I am not going to discuss which one I bought. <laughs> Let's just say I finally got my domino console. <laughs> so three out of the four of us here tonight uh, got the bundle. And I think that it is certainly worth talking a little bit about it. My first impressions are that I finally have a sovereign that behaves quite similarly to 
the Fleet Avenger. I'm sorry, the Fleet Avenger, the Fleet Battlecruiser. I particularly like the Battlecruiser because not only is it tanky, but it also delivers a significant amount of damage so that I never felt and never feel as though I'm sluggish and weak and squishy. And But I love the Sovereign. It's one of my favorite Star Trek ships, hands down, my favorite. When I first started playing the game 10 years ago, that was one of the first ships I started playing with. And then I, I had to switch out of it because it just wasn't my game style. But now I've set up the Legendary Sovereign in a way that behaves very similarly to the, to the Fleet Avenger. It's not as nimble, but the difference is negligible. The difference really is negligible. So I haven't gone through all the other ships. I did get the mastery for the Kelvin battlecruiser, but I didn't like it. It's not my style of ship. I'm not a fan of the Kelvin Enterprise ships. It's just, it's too curvy for me. It's And like it's the update bubbly, too. The update's not bubbly. as good as the original. Yeah, so... So yes, I still have quite a bit of exploring to do with these ships. Kat, what are your first impressions on, on the bundle? All right. So I was full on not going to do it, not going to buy it, but a couple of things changed my mind. And not that a bunch of other people were getting the bundle, but the fact that when you level up those ships to tier six, those tier six traits are unlockable, you know, that opens across your account. So account unlock for those traits pretty much changed my mind and then I saw the update for the crossfield and I pushed by <laughs> at that point. And you generally fly a science officer? Is that your... But, yeah, I go to science, yes. Uh, and I do love this crossfield. But some of these traits that get unlocked at tier six are amazing. And so even though it is 10 ships, but you still get the trait, you know, unlocked across your account. So you can have those traits on your KDF or Romulan, KDF ROMs or your Jem'Hadar if you play those. But specifically, the trait from the Ross Command Exploration Cruiser, Make It So, is amazing. Uh, it adds, you know, improved healing and damage for each of your bridge officer ability ranks. So anyway, you can look up the stats but that trait is fantastic so well so you're get, you're getting into traits and that's something that i wanted to spend time talking about right and i want to make a point to bring it to everyone's attention is that sometimes like and even here on the show we'll talk about a ship that that comes out and we just kind of go over the stats and then we for, forget about it and in in my case as a player there are ships that have come and gone that i didn't get particularly event ships right and then i find out later that oh my god, the event ship actually wasn't crap, but in fact, everybody's running this console, or everybody's using this trait. So, so I, Kat, before the show, you know, you and I were talking, and I, and I had asked you to try to put together some of these things, some of, some of the items in the bundle that you found to be, maybe not must-haves, but would be nice to have and should have if you want to get the most out of your gameplay. Absolutely. Um, so you've already mentioned one. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm not a min-maxer by any means. I sometimes, you know, I'm like not into builds. But I do love space magic and I love playing science characters. And the trait for the crossfield is the temporal anchor, which does something magical to your gravity well. And oh man, does it... It is so, it's so nice. So yeah, if you're into that at all, uh, I highly recommend that. And 
I have somewhat buyer's remorse about the bundle, but not really because of the account-wide unlocks that you got for the traits. Now, the account-wide unlocks for these ships um, and their traits, right? You're getting an account-wide unlock for the trait. Right. In other words, all you have to do is on one character, get it to tier six, six mastery. Yes. And it unlocks for all your alts. That is not the case for any other ship. Only the Jem'Hadar ships had those tier six traits as well. So these are, this is like a new thing, new-ish thing. So if it works the same way, I haven't checked this myself, but if it works the same way the Jem'Hadar ships work, when you claim a Jem'Hadar ship on a non-Jem'Hadar character after having leveled it up, you don't have to unlock tier six again. That is already unlocked for you, but you just do still have to run it through ranks one through five. Correct. Yeah. If, just like other other ship, if you're going to get it on another character, you still have to level it up to get the trait. But if you've unlocked tier six, you get that trait automatically. Any other kind of must-haves that you yourself have thought are good or have heard from the fleet? I think that the trait from the NX and the Defiant are also you know, leading favorites at the moment. But um, yeah, I haven't made it through all the ships yet. And I know only a few people that have. So it will probably take some time before, you know, before like the really, really good ones start getting, you know, understood as what you need to have. But I, yeah, I do feel hypocritical somewhat about it, but yeah, I'm glad I got it. I do too. Well, and there was no Skiffy. You got yeah, it. What about no doubt Skiffy was going to get this? Indeed. Well, I went on record ahead of time saying as, as I was planning on purchasing it, and I did. The uh, bonus Zen uh, was just that. It was a nice bonus. I have leveled two ships. One being uh, Temporal Operative, the new Discovery, as well as Miracle Worker, the Warship Voyager. I I haven't made it through the other ones yet. I did have uh, I did suffer from choice fatigue, where I after buying the pack, I had no idea which ship I wanted to start with. <laughs> I just sat there going, I want to fly them all right now. One thing I can mention is that the multi-mission Voyager ship is uh, very, very maneuverable. Uh, probably one of the more maneuverable science vessels out there. And uh, I'm hearing, I haven't outfitted this myself, but I'm hearing it's really, it can be outfitted to be one of the fastest ships in sector space. So if you happen to be one of those people that likes to run the Tour of the Galaxy event, I'm thinking this is a good, um, a good one for that. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a good pack. It's a great pack. All right, Tony. Now you're the only one who didn't purchase it and take advantage of the Zen sale. Because unfortunately, Captains, as of the time of this recording, the Zen sale is over. It ended on February 17th. So if you buy this out, you can still take advantage of the bundle discount that's currently happening. But if you don't have the Zen, you'll be paying full price for Zen. It is a sad and unfortunate truth. Well, the, the only person with the with some impulse control among this little group here, I strongly considered buying it, and there's only one justification that I could figure in my head for it, and that was the fact that you could get a tier six constitution without trusting the random number generator gods. So you could get a tier six constitution and put the motion picture skin on it, which is my holy grail, and know how much you're going to pay for it, and not have to worry about opening boxes. So, but even with that, I couldn't do it. I couldn't. It just didn't seem like I did. I wasn't going to use those other ships enough, and I wasn't. I wasn't going to level them all up. There's a lot of good ships in there, but if there's people out there who's looking who are looking for a sort of use case for it, like justify why you'd spend this money. If you still want a tier six Connie and you want to put the motion picture skin on it, there you go. You know how much money you'd have to spend to get that accomplished. So everybody who wants But that's the Connie, not the hmm? that's not the only ship that benefits from that point. Like the, the, the Discovery ship about. is the exact same thing. It's the only one I care about. <laughs> 
So. Well, if, if that's fair, but th- there's there's what four or five ships that are in that same situation where you're you're by buying the pack, you're bypassing the RNG. Yeah. So and and that I think justifies the higher price point, right? A lot of people were like, oh, break it up out of the bundle, you know, sell the ships individually. No, that'll never happen because what they're doing is they are providing an alternative to spending two hundred and fifty dollars on keys and maybe not getting the ship you want. Here you're going to spend you know a little less than two hundred at this point with a sale going on. And you can have the tier six ship that you had your eye, your your heart set on. Now, I guess not that exact version, but this is maybe even a better one. So, and you can put a variety of skins on it. You know, you can put whatever skin on it you want. So, I think this is the uh, the the business case and the angle that Cryptic was going after here is that they've listened to the community, maybe not in the way you'd hoped, but they have they've they made a, a business decision that this is close enough to the revenue that we'd get from the lockboxes and the R&D packs that we can offer this as an as an option to people who are willing to pay that higher price. And that's precisely why I was planning to buy it uh, ahead of time. I'll support the C store wholeheartedly because I prefer that method of transaction over the lobby store and the lockbox uh, mechanics. And I, I'm kind of hoping that this is a sign of how things are going to go in the future, that uh, they retire those mechanics and focus more on adding things to the C-Store. Never, never, never. But I do think that the way of the future is find a way to alternatively monetize that. Because if at some point in the future they are forced to retire it because of legislation or whatever, and it's gambling or whatnot, they want to have an alternative in place so that the revenue stream doesn't necessarily evaporate. So I think it's smart of them to offer these alternatives. And I think this first experiment, if it's successful will be cloned. We'll see more of these things in the future. Can we also talk about, there was a flag in the description of the bundle that says this is available for a limited time only, but we knew this was on sale for a limited time. At the time of this recording, it's on sale for about 20 more days, but it's also limited time availability in general. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it will go away at some point in the very near future and will not be an option for purchase someday down the line. I would anticipate them alternating this with a lifetime sale. This is a good way to get slugs uh-huh. revenue. You know, you get people to spend two or three hundred dollars at a time in the game. So I, I, I guess you'd see the lifetime sale come back, then go away. Then this will come back, then go away. Again, if this is successful, they'll probably come up with something else like it and, and alternate that out. Well, that's what we've got to talk about regarding the bundle this week. I'm sure that and so those of us with lesser wherewithal mm-hmm. to avoid right. the low willpower. <laughs> to avoid per- Weak low wills. We'll, we'll have more of an opportunity to, to explore all the all the goodies in the bundles and talk more about it in the coming weeks. But remember that the sale on the bundles are a for a limited time. So you can get the introductory bundle at about 20,000 zen. And you can get the legendary premium bundle at about 29,300 zen. And that sale will end on February 27th. Moving on, there are other goodies that are available for free. For a brief time this past week, Star Trek Online was giving away a new cross-faction costume based on its 10th anniversary celebrations. From February 13th to February 17th, all players were able to claim the Emancipator costume. As seen in-game on the 16th present of the United States, this costume gives player tailor options for the long coat, bow tie, and top hat. The top hat came in two varieties, a full-size hat and a mini hat placed at a jaunty angle. 
As you'd expect from such a costume giveaway, players have already embraced the Space Barbie potential. From dapper top-hatted Gorn to brightly colored circus ringmasters to whimsical-looking Borg drones, it seems like hats and tails are everywhere right now. Moving on to patch notes, this week saw a number of system improvements appear in the weekly patch notes for PC players. The ship vendor UI was updated to provide additional details on effects of ship scaling on ship statistics, as well as a new indicator for any current ship mastery progress. Similarly, the player dry dock UI now displays whether you've completed a docked ship's mastery. The development team has also opened up the Kelvin Timeline Constitution Starship to use all standard Federation bridges. Yay! In other Star Trek gaming news, a month-long Star Trek Timelines mega event began on February 6th and will carry on through the week of February 27th. The event introduces new characters for retired Admiral Picard and Cadet Picard, as well as new variants of many existing crew characters. A special recurrent threshold reward will be the new Picard and number one crew. The Forever as One event brings the Borg front and center in the game with a rogue Borg element introduced, looking to bring back Locutus of Borg. Moving on to events in Star Trek Online. Captains on consoles won't have long to wait before they can join in the 10th anniversary celebrations. Ambassador Kale announced in a news blog this week that the anniversary event and Stowe Legacy release is scheduled to hit consoles on March 3rd. Event and mission rewards are the same as those we've previously described for the PC event release. The big prize, of course, is the Tier 6 Kittimer-class Alliance Battlecruiser, which can be claimed for 20 days of event progress before March 31st. This week in Armada News... We are getting ready to make the move to Discord. The fans and members have spoken. So, yeah, the poll was up, TeamSpeak versus Discord, and Discord won by an overwhelming majority. So we will be moving to Discord. So keep an eye out if you are an Armada member for instructions on how to make the switch. Well, it's time for this week's top tip. In an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our top tip. If you want to do the daily Omega event minigame as fast as you can without all that sector space travel, here's a tip to get you through. To begin, use the event UI itself to instantly transwarp you to Q's location on Earth's space dock or Kronos. After Q assigns you three random space or ground locations to scan Omega particles, use more free transwarps to get you there faster. Just take a few minutes to pick up some game missions that begin in the systems where the Omega particles appear. Then, when a location appears in your Mega event list, you can use the mission hailing UI to transwarp immediately to that system. Just remember to leave the mission right away so it's not removed from your active mission list. Here are a few of the systems you can reach this way and which episode or optional mission arc that will get you there. Starbase 39 from The Vault in the Romulan Mystery Arc, Vulcan from Diplomatic Orders in the Klingon War Arc, Trozana Station from Spin the Wheel in the Spectre's Optional Mission Arc, Defera from Cold Call in the Cold War Optional Mission Arc, Bajor in Jabberwocky in the Cardassian Struggle Arc, and DS9 from Renegade's Regret in the New Frontiers Arc. Once the Omega event is over, you can just drop the missions to clean them up from your UI. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's look on screen for the fourth episode of Star Trek Picard entitled Absolute Candor. On screen. Computer. Set Star Trek Picard Episode 4 Absolute Candor. On screen. 
You'd think by now that Picard was finally ready to go on his mission to save Data's offspring, Soji, but nope. We need to make another stop on Tatooine, I mean Vashti, to pick up some muscle. Elnor, the Wishap Legolas, I mean Kuat Milat warrior, is the only guy in the all-woman sect of Romulan nuns sworn to protect those in need. Meanwhile, on the Borg artifact, Soji is still trying to discover the mystery of the last Romulan ship to be assimilated by the Borg. More importantly, she's struggling to find herself in the grand scheme of things. Will Picard finally bring together the Fellowship of the Synth? Did Seven of Nine lose her copy of Scott when her ship was destroyed? How much more sexually awkward will Narek and Rizzo's relationship be? Well, I mean, this one, this episode was a lot of, uh, we need to tell you a lot of things that we made up for the, sh- for the series. So there wasn't a lot of room for callbacks. I've got a question. So synths are off limits because of the events that happened on uh, Utopia Planitia Mars. Right. Why are holograms not subject to the same uh, fear that synths are instilling in the Federation community? I mean, I would imagine that holograms are limited to whatever holographic array they're on. So they cannot manifest themselves anywhere. You have to have a holographic array. Like Voyager was thinking about installing them until, until the doctor got his mobile emitter. So, yeah, my guess is that that's one of the reasons why they're not as much of a threat. Whereas the synth lives in physical space and can go anywhere it wants. And shoot you with that crazy laser gun thing. Yes. Can we have that in Star Trek Online, please? Let that be the new, oh, the new monster. That oh, thing yeah. would be cool. Bamf. Let that be the new Bamf. So I did not like the episode, but I'm starting to get a little bored of this crew building. I'm pretty sure it's taking longer on Picard to get his crew together than it did for the council at Rivendell to put together the Fellowship of the Ring. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> they had one meeting. They had one meeting. They had one meeting. And that, and that was a nine-hour epic, right? That was nine hours of film. And... It, it hit the ground running with a with a fellowship with a group with a group of people. Yeah, so I mean, if you want to use that as an example, I mean, if they, the Lord of the Rings is nine hours long, and the Fellowship of the Ring was about three hours long, and halfway through the first movie, they were like on the right. mission, right? So that's like that's a sixth of the way. By comparison, we are forty percent of the way through Star Trek Picard now. So sixteen percent of the Fellowship of the Ring versus forty percent Star Trek Picard, and we still haven't got the whole band together yet. But Fellowship of the Ring cut out a whole lot of walking, like weeks and weeks of walking. I'm just talking screen time. Just screen time. When Picard first started airing, I compared it to The Magnificent Seven. I was talking to my wife. It's The Magnificent Seven, right? You know, you gotta, you start with the team, uh, and you start with the team building. That's an important part of the show. But they eventually have to go to the little Mexican village to learn about the bad guys. Eventually, they got to get there. I'm still waiting. That's what season two is for. <laughs> Don't even. Don't you dare. I didn't love the episode, but I also don't think it was bad, right? Like, it it still did what it was supposed to do and delivered with great dialogue, with, you know, good action. Although I am feeling like the overall arc is dragging, the episode didn't drag, right? And I can only really compare it to Discovery, right? Because Discovery is the most recent Star Trek show in our recent history. I felt that discovery dragged right and that some episodes just didn't make any sense in the grand scheme of things i'm thinking about the harry mudd episode for instance the the timey-wimey one that just everything came to a screeching halt i i did i'm not feeling that from picard and particularly this episode even though we're still 
building together the, the motley crew of the team. This backstory and this, honestly, it's Picard building. I don't even, it's not really even about the other cast because there are nuances. Which is a problem. Um, I don't know, maybe, but. Yeah, it's a problem. Well, they just introduced Seven. I think it's going to be the Picard and Seven show. Halfway through the season? Sure. Well, my, my point is that there, like, there was a scene on Vashti where Elnor brings Picard, adult Elnor, brings Picard some bread and Picard just kind of like, like an old, like really like an old man, get off my lawn, go away kind of thing, shrugs him off. And then um, Elnor throws down the, the tray. And the, these are these are nuances of, of Picard that really depart from what we have seen him as in TNG and the films. Right? He is really selfish. He really is a selfish old man now. Real, real soon, they need to work on that Eremotic Syndrome. Yes, yes, yes. Like, they need to start paying that off right now. Because Picard, in any other era, would not have decided, Hey, I've got seven minutes till my ride gets here. Time to start a race brawl. Let me let me just go over here and knock down this sign and, 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 and just really pick a scab open. Ew, I saw that. He's like, seven minutes, I'm going to throw... Yeah, walk across the sign and throw down. They can fix this if real fast now they start paying off the whole Eremotic Syndrome thing. Like, like, like the beginning of the next episode, uh, which would be a great callback to all good things where people start to go, uh, old man's crazy. Old man has no idea what he's doing. We're not sure what's going on with this whole thing. He's taking us we we engage and we go off on our grand adventure. Oh, but we have to do a detour. I forgot something back at the, back at the shop. I mean, if, unless they start paying off the aromatic syndrome thing here real fast, it's the character Picard, like you're saying, he's old and he's selfish and why are you doing this and why are people letting you? Regarding the team building, I, I have to think the team is built at this point. I feel like Seven was the, the headliner in the team that needed to be added and now that she's there they're not going to add some unheard of people after that. Uh, oh, hang, hang on, hang on. We're not done because they haven't done the Seven of Nine backstory and why are you here and now I have to convince you to go on my quest. So we're not done yet. We have to get through episode five to have that bit. Well, her ship blew up. She doesn't have a choice but to go on the quest. No, they can just drop her off at the Vashti. They just have, they just have to give her 30 minutes and let her beam down to the bar where Picard just like, uh, and Picard's <laughs> friend just chopped people. Chopped let her assimilate everybody stuff. and be on her way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you want to you want to go with it? You want to drop us off here? We'll drop you off here. Now, I, I will say this about the Picard novel that is out now that we I mentioned during our Trek It Out segment. And Yeah, I feel like it's coloring my analysis now that I've got some backstory. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely good. But I, the thing about it is, is that, first of all, I'm not done. I'm on chapter 10. Second of all, uh, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but we're, I'm at a point now in the novel where Picard has relocated the, the Kuat Milat. In the novel, you get the introduction to Zani, who's played by Amira Vaughn, and you get the introduction to Elnor. You get a little more history there. You see why Zani is important to Picard and why he shows her so much respect. That kind of world building seems to be happening in the novel with without necessarily the risk of it being retconned on screen, hopefully, right? Because I really hate the idea of wasting my time reading this novel and then having them retcon it at the end of this, you know, in a few episodes after the book is out. They did that with Star Trek, uh, Star Trek Discovery's first novel, Desperate Hours. So if you want a, a different view of Picard or if you want to enhance your perspective, pick it up. Last Best Hope, Una McCormick. I have a problem with people making television or movies that you need to go consult the footnotes for. 
Well, you don't have to. No, you don't, though. You really don't have to. You don't have to read the novel. I'm just saying that it, like Kat said, it it, it influences your perspective on it, right? It, it kind of colors your, your opinion. Well, and it's like, oh, okay, Rafi can call him JL. It's fine. They've been, they've been through stuff. So the other thing we made fun of was uh, that brother-sister relationship between Narek and Rizzo. That is just, what is, I... Uh. It's not Game of Thronesy. Come on, we already had Jamie and Cersei. We don't need Narek and Rizzo. This is setting up the fact when What's-His-Face finally turns on his sister. He's finally going to be creeped out by his sister and like, you can't do that to me. That's illegal in nine systems. You can't do that. And then he's going to betray her and let the robot girl go. They're just setting that up. That's all that is. It's super, it's super creepy and I think the wrong way to do it. Why can't, it's a Star Trek, right? He needs to have a principled reason why this is a bad idea and why I censor real people and all that. Not my sister's creepy and I don't want her to touch me that way anymore. That, that's, that's, no. This is Star Trek. I expect a little better. What do we think about the slip and slide scene? The only way that makes sense is if that guy's a humongous liar and, the, and Soji decides, okay, fine, lie to me. That is the only way that makes any sense whatsoever. Borg ritual that nobody knows about? Yeah, right. It's the Third Dynasty. You know the Borg Third Dynasty. He was kidding about it being a Borg ritual. He was just being... Was, yeah, I, I took that as being a joke, yeah. Yeah, he was being quote-unquote cute, as as cute as a Wish app version of Spock can be. Yeah, I, that's just weird. It's just weird. I don't know. It, it didn't It didn't hit. Narek freaks me out. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes is a very good Star Trek director. I think he's a good director, period. He's a very good... He's one of the best Star Trek directors. And if Frakes can't make that guy funny, he's just not funny. And so, I mean, it, it didn't hit me as that was a joke right away, and it then and, and then he kind of doubled down on it. That's what he wants you to think, but it didn't come off as you know, haha, wink, wink, you know, funny joke. It came off as like, oh, I'm a secret Romulan spy. That's what they want you to think. I'm like, wait, no, 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 no. Make me believe that that was a joke, and it, uh, it just didn't hit. It, uh, it, I... All right, the episode ends with a, a big space battle around a planet that has a shield whose passcode is 12345, but nobody bothered to try it. And so, yeah, we have the introduction of Seven of Nine, but we also have yet another EMH who is of Latino descent in some way, shape, or form, whether he's Chile, we, we, we think he's Chilean, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about these EMHs. I feel like these EMHs are pulling away and taking away from the character of Rios. Yeah, sure, it's letting the actor flex his muscles to portray different styles and characters and dialects and accents. Yes, great. But I don't really care about these EMHs. I want to know about Rios. I think it's kind of disturbing, though. Like, why has he got all these EMHs that look like him? Isn't that, like, weird? I don't know. When I look at it... And I'm I, I'm sure I'm stretching here, but I feel like it's really lessening the idea that he is a Latino character. We can't make him too Latino. We're gonna have to find a way to to dilute this. Oh, let's let's have other versions of him in different accents and dialects, so that we're not in your face Latino character, a captain who is not yielding to Picard. I it, I I don't know. I don't know. I let me offer a different perspective. Elijah, let me, let me offer the perspective that there is no one good way to portray someone of Latino descent, 
right? They can be an interior decorator with who's quiet and barely has a trace of an accent. They can be a uh, guy with long, crazy hair that speaks in really, really heavily accented Spanish. Uh, they can be, you know, the medical doctor who sort of rolls his eyes at the silliness of his, his captain. There's no one good way to do it. I feel like they're just trying to show that he's like an emotionally damaged guy because he only keeps himself for company and different versions of himself with weird accents. And he hides behind them. Well, okay. Right, All right, exactly. Then, and that's fine. I just, I, why aren't we building on Rios? Why did we have a whole episode on, on space elves? Because he's brooding and chomping on cigars. But we had a whole episode on space elves and Legolas. <laughs> I don't know. I just, why, why aren't we getting to know Rios? Why aren't we spending more time with him? Oh, I think he's probably like, We've got some time with him. We uh, we know like something crazy happened with his prior crew, that his captain that got his brains splattered all over him, and that he's self torturing and hates himself, and he hates all those holograms. I hope so. We haven't gotten there yet. At some point, they will give us his backstory. They'll dish it out to us as an entire episode, probably right before, right after a huge cliffhanger where they want to suspend the main story for a while. Yeah, with his captain, that's a top secret. You can't talk about it because no one's heard of it. Flashback heavy, yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, at the same token, we still haven't really seen uh, a legitimate backstory to Rafi, right? We And she's another, no. you know, she's another person. No, you got to read the books for that. Right, you do. You actually do have to read the book. For that. So we're not going to get one unless you want to read the book. That's my that was my that's my problem with these things. They skip all that. If you want to know about Rafi, go read the book. It's not that I don't understand it. Is that for the first time I'm watching Star Trek, and there's somebody like me on the screen, not a caricature, not a facsimile, not a tertiary character or somebody who gets killed in the episode, but a light-skinned Latino or Hispanic that I think hasn't been given the the, the proper writing yet none of them so have. my verdict is still my my verdict well Gerardi, tell me about Gerardi. what's we, her, what's she like what's her thing we don't know we don't know what she's you know, she she she's goofy and she's goofy and you know <laughs> silly who are you lady with respect to Gerardi, i think that that's a setup for is she can she be trusted i think it was shane who brought this up last week where what was her conversation with commodore o right so that's number one but number two is, again, my verdict is still, and I, I've, I don't know how many times I, I can say this so that everybody can hear me, my verdict is still out on Rios. I'm not ready to make a final judgment call on him because I don't think we've been given the opportunity to get to know him. M me being Latino, for the first time there is a Latino captain in a major role of a major Star Trek show. Not a tertiary character, not somebody who dies. And right now, it's feeling homogenized and it's feeling like he's like he's being watered down. And I really hope they that the rest of the season doesn't continue to feed into that, but that we do see more of him and we do give him an opportunity to be a character. It's almost as if we had wished they'd gotten this team building exercise out of the way in the second episode and started working on the problems and the people. It's almost as if we wish that had happened. All I heard yeah. is that Elijah is yeah. our emergency podcasting hologram. <laughs> emergency Latino podcasting hologram. Coño, será posible. So, so that's, that's where I am. I mean, I, again, I didn't hate the episode, but it definitely slowed down. It definitely slowed down, and, and I'm tired of this Fellowship of the Synth. It literally took a detour. It did. It did. I, I, yeah, I felt it from the beginning. The pacing on this show is very off, very strange. 
I don't mind it. I mean, I feel like when we look back on this, we'll be like, oh, yeah, that was good. That was good. I, I mean, I always hindsight it. Yeah. If it were a binge, if it were a binge, this would be fine. If they released it all as one big block, it would be just fine. Because this is the trap that a lot of shows fall into when you binge them. I, my go-to example is The Expanse. I recommended The Expanse to a lot of people. And if they make it through the first four or five episodes, they're hooked. But if they feel, if they can't get into it, if it's slow, because it's slow, because they're building the world, right? If they can't get through the first three or four episodes, they're done. So if they had had this, if Picard was a binge, this would be fine. The pacing is fine for a binge. It's not good week to week. Almost every single Apple TV Plus uh, series has that same trap, too. You gotta get through the first four. And if you make it that far, yeah, you're, you're, you're good. You're golden. The story starts to pick up. That wraps up this week's On Screen for Star Trek Picard. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Of all our social media engagements this week, Captains had the most to say when we asked, did you take advantage of Star Trek Online Zen and Sea Store sales to purchase the legendary Starship bundle? What ships, consoles, or traits are your favorites? From Facebook, Mike Warrens writes in and says, Bought the standard bundle on day one as I didn't really feel the need for the extra fluff of the premium. I think of them all, I'm actually digging the Constitution Miracle Worker flight deck carrier because seeing enemies engulfed in swarms of tactical flyer squadrons is oddly satisfying. Traits, preferential targeting, supercharged weapons, and black alert. Consoles, mycelium ambush, and weaponized helical torsion. There's some recommendations for you guys. On Twitter, our very own Priority One Jace writes in, I came close but wound up just using existing zen to buy the tier 6 defiant arbiter and gamor i don't really play alts and mostly cared about the legendary defiant so it didn't make enough sense to me the defiant trait and best diplomat trait once patched has potential i think from facebook bruce burdett writes i'm not buying the bundle i only want a few of the ships if they were sold as singles i would have bought some but otherwise no i still think that i mean uh, you know the the they obviously sold several of these bundles right there are people who might have at first that you know were like no i'm not doing it and then ended up doing it because they're weak um, and i'm sh- yeah, shut up <laughs> shut up uh-huh definitely uh, <laughs> Some people can admit it. That's right. They drink to it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's whatever. Okay. I'm still not. I'm still not ready. <laughs> but look, I'm happy in my sovereign. But I really hope that they do release these in some form other than a it, 150 and it makes no sense for them bundle. to do it. It makes zero business sense for them to do it any other way besides this. From Twitter, Preston Hamill comes in and says, Easy choice for my alt account as it's down on ships. For my main account, it was a struggle, but I decided I wanted enough of it to grab it. Unfortunately, I've not been able to do much with it, but so far I like having advanced phasers freely claimable from the Disco Connie itself. I've been using the sensor-linked phasers. Anybody? Those are good. Are, th- are these advanced phasers better? Mm, no, they got nerfed. Oh. I went to the trouble of collecting a bunch of sensor-linked phasers for one of my ships a long time ago, so I think they're the best. I don't like that they look like cannon phasers. Well, I dig it. Because it's pew, 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 pew. But because I, I don't know, my immersion, I'm like, I'm used to seeing the beams, the arc of beams. I want them red, like um, Star Trek 2. But yeah, man. Well, anyway. From Twitter, Pax Federatica writes in, I was on the fence when it was announced, but did finally break down and get the bundle. Though I do have plans for other ships in the bundle too. The command dreadnought alone made me glad I did. I want to say, uh, 
we had a chance to play with Jace for a while the other day, and he made a comment that uh, really resonated with me, which is, it's really nice to go into system and sector space now and see a whole bunch of classic Star Trek ships flying around, as opposed to the usually overwhelmingly overwhelming number of alien ships we get. So it's, it really brought Star Trek back to its core, and it does show that they're selling a metric ton of these. We also asked for your thoughts on last week's episode of Star Trek Picard, and you had this to say. From PriorityOnePodcast.com, Choyo Miku says, It goes without saying, the TNG at the end of the episode is what made me tingle with chills up my spine. It is so great to see the beginning of a new crew with that TNG flair, even though we're only a few years away from taking the captain's chair ourselves in Star Trek Online. And for those who saw the episode this week, let me just say, as a Voyager fan, I geeked out at the ending. Me too. Maybe got a little verklempt. Well, that wraps up episode 449 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all using our brand new master feed. Links, of course, will be in the show notes. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like Diana Gunther, Darnell Dwayne Ross, David K. Rutley, Joshua Selig, and Peter Archibald. But of course, we do need to remind you of our community questions this week because we want to hear from you. Who is your favorite Star Trek Picard character thus far and why? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. Don't miss a thing from the Star Trek multiverse. Catch our episodes every Friday. Just open your favorite podcast app and do a search for Roddenberry. There you'll find us and our friends on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters and me and the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times. And if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our community patrons through Patreon.com. Find out more and add your support at Patreon.com forward slash Priority One. Even if you can't make a financial contribution, the other way you can help support the show is by spreading the word about it. Invite your fellow Trekkies to get their weekly roundup of Star Trek news right here. It's your support that keeps us going. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRisePodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, William, Brandon, Rand, Daniel, Roscoe, and our chief engineer, Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake Morgan, for assisting in the weekly production of this podcast, with support from associate producer Shane Hoover, who helps us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our graphic artist, Henry Pomper, with support from Jason Smith of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music. Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. 
Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Activate emergency hospitality hologram. Engage. That's it for this week in gaming news. Now let's look on screen for the fourth episode of Star Trek Picard, uh, entitled yeah, "Absolute Candor." Yeah, I could, I was gonna do it, man. I was gonna own that. I know, and then I know, you were I like, know, "Yeah, I know, wait, I know, Tony, no!" He had a bad. vowel movement. <laughs> <My bad. laughs> Podcast. Roddenberry. Com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.